Welcome to Juggling with Flowers podcast. I am Mike. And I'm Lori of Ava Flora. Ava Flora is a full-service boutique florist located in the historical town of Cold Spring Harbor, New York. We specialize in creating refined, garden-inspired floral designs for gift orders, weddings, and events. On the podcast, you will hear what goes on behind the scenes at Ava Flora, interviews with guests within the wedding industry, Q&As, and the journey of a husband and wife-owned flower shop. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Juggling with Flowers podcast. This is episode number 12. Number 12, and take two. Take two. We um, attempted to record it on our way to work in the car, and the beginning was muffled for, for whatever reason. Uh, it did get better, but we just didn't want to put that out. So now we're in the shop recording it and um, we took two unexpected weeks off from uh, the podcast from the podcast um, uh, I guess you know it's a bad excuse but I guess it just as a lack of time uh, Jake has been teething which seems for like a month so his yeah. sleep has been off which means our sleep has been off um, he just hasn't really been feeling well and I guess it affects I mean it does affect us yeah. Uh, emotionally and, and physically so um, but in the meantime we had two weddings at very unique wedding um, venues one at Cedar Lake uh, Estates in um, I forget the town Port Jervis Port Jervis and the Audrey's farmhouse in Wallkill Wallkill upstate New York in the Hudson Valley almost Catskill region yeah which, if you're not familiar, it's it's north of Manhattan, so up that's what we call upstate New York. If you're not a New Yorker, it's about two hours yeah. away, most from time. us. Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes two and a half hours. So it's a drive. It's kind of similar to drive for us to drive out to Montauk. Time wise, time wise, double the mileage. Yeah, um, but it's worth the drive because they're unique venues, as Mike said, and they work really well with our aesthetic. And both brides had really beautiful unique visions so you know we basically will travel to wherever the the weddings like that take us yeah so um but yeah we so we just wanted to catch you guys up on what we've been up to and kind of just share some of the experiences that we've been dealing with and yeah uh, and most of it is uh, recipe right recipe creating and we thought it would be a great topic to bring up anyway because we lately have been getting more requests for one-on-one -on -one workshops which is really really cool and something that is always brought up in conversation when we speak to the designers over the phone is that they want to know more about recipe creating whether it's through flower varieties or even through color palettes it seems to be something that a lot of new designers struggle with and so um, and I've been trying really hard to kind of come up with a, a solution or you know just some way to kind of guide them through that and it's it's really tricky to do uh, you know I just don't think there's one set way to create a recipe for a, a design because some it there are so many different variables that come into play such as the budget the inspiration that comes from the client um, the size of the composition so depending on what it is is it for an escort card table is it a centerpiece a bridesmaid bouquet they're they're all different and would require a different stem count and then it really depends on how broad of a range 
of varieties you're working with. So is it is the recipe more simple? Is it more mixed? There's just, there's just so much going on. There is, and I I feel like we sound like broken records because we basically bring this up every week. Right. <laughs> but it's it's a very profound issue. Um, but I think we have solutions to try to like mitigate it in a way. Uh, we we had a one on one yesterday here at the shop and um, Lori brought up a really good um, foundational aspect to at least get the ball rolling and give you some sort of like grounding on what to expect to create the inspiration or the um, the centerpiece. Right. So it definitely starts with having, I think, good knowledge, educating yourself as much as you can, trying to keep up to date on the flower varieties, what's in season. And that is done by either just speaking to your supplier over the phone or through email, text, whatever it is, or actually if you have the luxury of physically going to a supplier and being able to see what is in season in person, you know, I, I think that is really helpful. But in addition to that, really the way I just kind of broke it down was if we're creating a mixed look of varieties and we want to kind of have a combination of focal flowers going up to textural accents. Um, so this is how I kind of break it down. And focal flowers meaning larger face blooms. So dahlias, peonies, roses. And then, so that's what I start with. Like I start with maybe one to two focal flowers. Uh, maybe about two medium-sized flowers, which could be a ranunculus, for example, and then two smaller flowers, and then maybe two to three textural flowers. And that will vary. You know, maybe there are some weddings where, you know, there there are there's only one focal flower, and then there are five textural flowers, and then, you know, so it kind of just depends on what's in season and what I what is inspiring me in that moment, but. That's kind of, I think, like a good way to break it down. If you're not really sure on how to balance the different size flowers and textures, that's a good direction to kind of start with. Mm -hmm. Because I notice that a lot of designers will, in the beginning, when they're first starting out, will tend to focus a lot on the focal flowers because they're bigger, they fill up the vase quickly, and you feel like, you know, I totally get it, and you feel like you're getting the best bang for your buck by getting, you know, buying a gigantic peony rather than like some small, um, smaller freesia or something like that. So, but in order to create a looser, more airy design that has a, a mixture, I think that's what I find that help works best for me when I'm putting together recipes to try to like break it down and make sure I have a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I feel like the texture elements is what makes uh, an arrangement <clears throat> or a bouquet stand out the most. Right. And I feel like that's what most, most people uh, struggle with. Right, not enough of that and too many focal flowers. Especially for bouquets lately, I've been really scaling back on the amount of focal flowers I'm using in the bride's bouquet and the bridesmaid's bouquet because I just feel like they get so just, um, like just too lush, too rounded, and yeah. it's really hard to create negative space and airiness when all the flowers are really round and full. So, yeah. The, so yeah, yeah, just trying to cut back on that a little bit. Yeah, and they tend to be <clears throat> more reasonably priced than the focal flowers. Yeah. So if you do cut back on the peonies or dahlias or whatever you're using, garden roses, 
you could definitely allocate those that budget towards more yeah i think you you get you get more when you break it down that way and it gives whatever arrangement you're making this movement and really that's what makes it stand out i think and i think that's like i said before um it just really makes it um it different differentiates the work right it kind of breaks up like i love to use the smaller textural flowers to kind of break up like fuller concentrations of petals in the composition so i'm using that to kind of break up like a basically when like a cluster of flowers it kind of like helps break it up and creates some extra dimension so that it doesn't look so full and lush like lushness is is good for you know to an extent though but I, so i think if you're trying to create negative space and airiness you really need to add in something that has like a, a long thin stem or something that has like some movement to it like lately i've been really into clematis vine i, I just love clematis to me it's, it's kind of along the same lines as i use it the same way i would a sweet pea because it has a long stem and it's just it's just it has like movement to it because it's kind of thinner the stem and i mean sometimes they the, the bloom does come in pretty i guess large but not always mm-hmm. so it to me i use it as more of a like a textural element i guess you could yeah. say and they said our last wedding at the farmhouse was mostly yeah. textural um elements yeah. Yeah, we really, in the centerpieces, we didn't use any peonies or roses. It was, no. we used lilac, tulip, spirea, sweet pea, muscari, and I think that was it. Yeah. It was very simple, but textural. And so that was a little different. So that's why I'm saying there's really no set way to create a recipe because, you know, for that wedding, we happened to try to, do, we happened to be doing something a little bit different. And lately I've been really into the textural flowers. I just, I don't know. I just think it's it's fun and yeah, it's just more interesting. It's, it's a different element. It really does. We did that <clears throat> that arch at Gurney's. That was all textural elements, and, right? Yeah, which was my favorite arch that Lori's ever done. It was just different. I mean, yeah, yeah I just we, feel like we're we're really into those textures lately, right? Yeah, they're they're just fun to work with, and it's fun to look at. And they photograph well. We can't wait to get the photos back from both of these yeah. weddings and share them in uh, a blog post. Um, I guess the second part we wanted to talk about was um, kind of like not promising like certain things. Right, like n- not guaranteeing any specific flowers to your clients. Because we ran into a couple issues this weekend with. Um, um, the uh, Smilax. Yeah, Southern Smilax vine we needed for one of the weddings to drape across some beams. And uh, it was almost to the point where uh, it's really not back in season right now. It doesn't really start. It kind of gets off crop, of course, once wedding season starts. And it starts again in June, really. So we kind of almost didn't have it last weekend. And it was almost to the point where I thought I was going to have to make a phone call to the bride and kind of come up with a a plan B because there's really nothing else like it that holds up well out of water that creates that really soft drapey drapey look I mean you could use Italian ruscus or or whatever but I don't think those greens I just don't feel like they have like a nice drape to them they're very stiff and it it just won't look natural no Uh, they're not easy to work with yeah they just they just don't 
it's just not the same thing. So um, we got lucky. Yeah, we got really lucky finding a wholesaler who carried it but couldn't guarantee it until the Monday of the the wedding, the week of the wedding that Monday. You wouldn't know because he had a certain supplier, this one guy in Louisiana, <laughs> in the woods just, in Louisiana, <laughs> who just foraged this stuff and got a very lucrative business. I'm assuming because that's right. like it's in such high demand, and this guy just goes around. It's weeds. I mean, people people cut it and throw it out. It's just it's, it's a weed, but it's it's such a huge element that florists use, and it's such in high demand, so it's really hard to get. So we luckily. We got it. Right. Um, but we made the mistake of... Really should have told her, you know, this is tentative on seasonable yeah. season, seasonable uh, availability. Like, you know, I can't really guarantee this in May, but we'll see. And if for some reason it's not, this will be our plan B and create some other sort of idea, you know, come up with some other sort of concepts in the space that will create a wow factor or yeah. add in some more greens. You know something where we would be building up from the ground that isn't some sort of water source maybe framing the entryway a door a door entryway or maybe it's an accent wall i don't know but yeah you know we got we are lucky that it worked out for our, on our behalf but it is good to have a plan b right. and definitely communicate that plan b yeah so you really shouldn't guarantee everything and no. <laughs> anything um because you just never know if something will be available or not, especially when you're dealing with seasonal flowers, you know, you're not just ordering South America hydrangea and South American roses where you just, you there's definitely more of a guarantee with that because mm -hmm. they're just available all year long or orchids, for example. But when we're dealing with lilac and sweet pea and, you know, now we're in the thick of peony season, it's just, it gets really, it's just really tricky to um, promise anything. So I think, so going back to what I, I started touching on earlier, when you first are speaking with a client, just to kind of let them know in a nice way, like how the process works for you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with educating them and explaining how it works, how we're really at the mercy of mother nature. And this is, this is the process. And really it should be, it should be a relationship where they are comfortable with that and they trust you to create something unique and beautiful to them. And mm -hmm. you know, you can go over all the different flowers that you like to use in that season, but just know that there might be some sort of a variation. Yeah, and it's your job as the as the florist to do your homework, do your research and, you know, know what's available. But also, in a, in a pinch, you could always call a supplier and ask them for potential substitutes right. to whatever it is that isn't available. And, you know, that's your plan B. So it's important to, like, know what's in season and know what's coming. Right, because they might suggest something to you that maybe you wouldn't have thought of yourself or just something that you don't know is actually coming in that they have ordered. So I, I think it's it's good to have a nice relationship with your suppliers and uh, and the more you speak to them, I think the more that they will learn what you like and what you don't like and then it just becomes easier mm -hmm. down as you go because then when you are ordering with them, they'll say, hey, you know, I know you'll like this, you know, what do you think about this? And exactly. that's what I, that's kind of the point we're at with some of our suppliers. Um, I find that they just become very helpful. They do. They send you pictures, and it's good because you just relay all that back to the client, 
And just make that whole process a lot smoother. Right, like this, the wedding we had at Audrey's farmhouse, for her sample centerpiece, we used white lilac, and now it's, it, it really, I don't know if the season's completely over, but it wasn't available that week, of course. So I just quickly shot her a DM on Instagram and said, you know, it's not available. What do you think of lavender lilac? You know, I think it's going to still work with the palette. You know, we were using um, accents of blue, so I thought like the lavender and the blue would look really beautiful together. And she was totally on board with it and said, I trust you and, you know, those three magic words. And, and it ended up really be being a, a nice touch, right. even though it was different. Um, and then if she didn't like it, that would be fine too. So no problem. Then I'll come up with another white flower. I'll, I'll figure out something else. But so I don't think it, it hurts to ask. It doesn't. Yeah. But gaining, for them to gain your trust and for you to speak with confidence really goes a long way because you really, you know, you're, you're the professional. Right. And you should know how to navigate through any potential problem. Right. Yeah. It isn't always easy, but <clears throat> it goes a long way. Right. And you're always going, there are always going to be those couples too that are not comfortable with that. They have a, a vision that they want to stick to and they're afraid you know they're not comfortable with being flexible it's just you know that's just some people's personalities and that'll happen but I feel like they're few and far between for the most part I think because we're setting the tone from the beginning mm -hmm. of how our process works that really helps you know as we go over you know the, the months of planning you know I think it just it just helps um, create a smoother process for everybody and then when you do go to create your recipe, then you have more flexibility. Right, and it does become, it, it usually starts very idealistic, because it's easy to be idealistic, especially when it's such a visual industry, but you know, I feel like your job is to be, to bring it to reality and be realistic about what you could do, whether it's the palette or the flowers or whatever it is, your capabilities, <clears throat> just to bring it down Right, yep. taking taking the lead and guiding them in the right direction and, and yeah, you're, you're quarterbacking the whole thing. Right, it's important. Right, yeah, especially with color, I find that you know if if a couple is coming to you with a very mixed color palette, which doesn't happen often, but it does happen sometimes, and then you know you can kind of just come get back to them with ideas on how you can how you would how you visualize this palette and you know what you can create based off of what's in season and and what colors you like to work with like this is actually something we were talking about during the one-on-one -on -one yesterday so for example if somebody is coming to you if a client is coming to you with it's a fall wedding and they want reds and oranges you know so we don't necessarily work with um, color blocking in that sense where we're just using like red and orange flowers like we're going so if you want reds we're visualizing burgundies and merlots and even like maybe some chocolate tones and then we're carrying that through to the the quote unquote orange through like bronze tones and then fading that into a peach with maybe you know you know, orange to me can mean different things, maybe even like a terracotta. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like all those in-between colors where like we're not using straight primary and secondary colors where we're kind of mixing and, and doing our best to create the colors that are in between so that we're creating like a nice blended palette and creating something unique that 
your guests have, probably haven't seen before. So, and I think that's a good way to explain it and sell it to them. And, but yeah. you know, with those words, you should have some visuals to provide them so that they can see what it is you're trying to explain. Cause you can't expect them to automatically visualize what a terracotta rose looks like. You know, they may not know, most likely they're not going to know what that, what that looks like or like a, a toffee rose. So um, and show them how that could look beautiful for their fall wedding. You know, and that's just one example. I think it just compliments each other and it really brings it together. Right. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little assertive with things like that. And, and like Mike said, just like really quarterbacking the whole, the whole experience for them. Yep. And I find that when I, when I do provide those ideas, like, I don't know, for the most part, couples get really excited because it's something that they wouldn't have thought of on their own right. because they're not the florist. So. Right. And that's why they hired you in the first place. Right. So yeah. I try not to get discouraged when I hear things like that. I try to say, think to myself, okay, how can I take this and like wow them? Like, what can I do? Like if somebody comes to me with a, even with like a purple and blue palette, how, how can I take these colors and make it like really something special and interesting. Right. So anyway, those are just our thoughts. <clears throat> yeah. So this weekend we have a uh, workshop, peony workshop. Yes, our second annual peony workshop, and where we are creating a, a centerpiece, focusing on the peony flower. We have some really special garden roses coming from California, and some other local accent flowers that we're using to bring in some texture. So it's a very simple recipe, but we have some really unique peonies that we're working with that you won't find at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we'll definitely be posting a lot of behind the scenes and pictures of those. There's and no wedding this weekend. Yeah, we have all from weddings. That's why we have the workshop scheduled, which is rare for June, but actually worked out nice because the peony workshop was a big hit last year. So yeah, it's always everybody's favorite. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's it for now. And um, yeah, so we'll hopefully be back next week. Yeah. <laughs> Not making any promises. Yeah, I can't guarantee it. <laughs> All right, guys, enjoy right. your week. You, thanks. <laughs>